Well, we've all been transfixed this past week by what's taken place in Boston. Uh, the horrific bombs that went off, the manhunt, the capture, and in the wake of it all, three dead, and the security guard dead, and uh, so many people injured, emotional and physical scars for life. And at the same time, uh, another story that was overshadowed uh, was, of course, in West Texas, where the fertilizer plant blew up and lost uh, five firefighters and four first responders and uh, four other people, and again, multitude, number of injuries. This has been a tough week, no doubt, so let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you, we come to you in the midst of pain, in the midst of sorrow. Our hearts break as we watch the news and we see those who've lost loved ones, those who have had loved ones injured, whether it be in Boston or in Texas. And, uh, just the, the price of sin, um, the devastation of people who are evil. Um, Lord, we, we come to you and pray for all those people. We pray especially for churches in that area. Uh, that are speaking this morning to what happened in their cities. Uh, we pray for the pastors. We pray for the people as they move out into their communities over the next uh, several weeks and months. And the open door there is uh, to the gospel during these challenging times. Uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, your name might be proclaimed in the midst of people's pain, that they might experience a, a true solution, a true answer to uh, what this life is all about. That's found in your Son, uh, Jesus Christ. Amen. Whenever these type of things happen, we hear all these stories of people just coming together and unifying among uh, just helping people who are in pain, people rushing in and Again, putting their own lives at risk and sacrificing, and there, there's just kind of this temporary unity. For example, you think of Boston or uh, West Texas, uh, the idea of that the people come together for a time, but then, of course, over time, it kind of goes back to disunity uh, in our culture. And one thing that God asked for is that we, as a family of believers, be unified. That's what we're going to talk about today as we continue in our series, Uncommon Joy, looking at the letter that Paul wrote to the people in Philippi, understanding exactly uh, what joy is all about and how we can find the unity of joy in our local body uh, called uh, Springbrook. In order to start this out, uh, I just want to go back into chapter 1, a verse we didn't have a chance to cover last week that talks about this unity. Uh, Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to you, see you, or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. What Paul wanted for the people at Philippi is that they would be unified 
in the gospel. That they'd be unified in the mission that God had given them. It's interesting, the people at Philippi, uh, he didn't really talk about any particular problem they had, Paul, in his letter. Now, when you look at the letters of the New Testament, many times he's writing to the church because of problems the church is having. But in Philippians, we don't see that. Now, now, there is some implication here that the idea of unity is mentioned several different times uh, in the book of Philippians. We see two women who are having some type of conflict in the beginning of chapter 4. So it could be that Paul had this fear, but at the same time, this always is the fear of a pastor, of, uh, again, people who are shepherding other people, that they might remain unified. Because if we have a mission together to get the gospel out to people, uh, Satan wants to derail that mission because he doesn't want the gospel going out. So what he will do is he will create disunity within a family of believers in order that we turn on each other. And I've been involved in church work for many, many years, and I've heard so many different stories of disunity uh, in churches. And Satan, he is on the move. And we as a church always need to be aware of that. We need to have the armor of God on. We need to be praying for the unity of our church. And, and that's what Paul is getting at here. Remain unified for the mission of the gospel. And that's what we're going to be looking at. Uh, this morning. Now, there's four verses we're going to study uh, today, and I'm going to kind of go uh, in reverse order. I'm going to look at verses 3 and 4, and then we're going to go back to verses 1 and 2. So let's take a look at Philippians 2, 3, and 4 first. And this is what Paul says. He says, this is what unity looks like when you have the same mind and the same spirit. And this is a church family, he says. He's calling the people at Philippi to do this. This is what it looks like. Now, again, this particular passage, the target audience are people in a church like ours and how we relate to other people in our family. It's not necessarily how we treat our immediate family or other people in the world. Again, it carries over, but you've got to understand that the context of this passage. He's saying to the church at Philippi, this is the way you should treat other people in your church family there at Philippi. So everybody, I want you to take a second here, all right? And I just want you from your seat to look around and identify as many people as you can. All right, just kind of look around, see who's around you, all right? Just, just do some rubbernecking there, you know, and look around. And these are the people that this passage is talking about, okay? So, so you're looking around at these people. Don't, don't feel uncomfortable. It's okay. We've given you permission to do it. Uh, okay, I know it's kind of socially awkward, but at the same time, this is where we're trying to get a job done here, okay? So I want you to know who, who this passage is talking about. So when it says what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to relate to people, it's the people in this room we're talking about here, okay? So this whole message today is, is how you need to relate to the people that are part of our family here. Now, if you're our guest, boy, it's so good to have you. And thank you for uh, being with us and celebrating uh, our Lord with us. And, uh, again, if you're not part of this family, if you haven't identified yourself, uh, this wouldn't apply to you, but it would apply to other Christ followers in your life. Or maybe you belong to another 
church family, whatever. But the point being is, is this is who it's talking about. How I relate to you, how you relate to me, because we're part of this local church. So, let's take a look at it. Verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's a mouthful. <laughs> that's, that's quite a command, isn't it? Uh, just think about this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Hmm. Wow. When you really, I mean, meditate on that passage, it's kind of like, whoa. <laughs> it's like really a high bar. So let me just illustrate for a second. Um, let me speak on behalf of us all as I look at this passage. And I'm going to look at it from a sinful perspective, from, from a sinful orientation representing all of us here, okay? And how I would think through this passage, this is worst-case scenario, okay? It's kind of, I'm looking at this passage, and I'm saying, what? What are you talking about? You're crazy? Uh, that's where I'm coming from, Okay. All right. I'm okay. Okay, God, do nothing from selfish ambition, God. Well, God, that's what my life is all about. You know, selfish ambition. That's the way I live. You know, I mean, it's all about me. When I come on Sunday mornings, uh, I'm looking. What am I going to get out of the day? You know, am I going to get a good return on my investment? Because I could be watching TV this morning. I could be out hunting. I could be I don't know all the things you can do with your free time, right? So uh, I hope that I get what I want because I'm an ambitious person, and, man, I want to – every minute has to count. And uh, so I come in, and I want to see my friends. All my friends would be nice to me. I want to feel some warm fuzzies this morning. And I want to come in, and I want to hear some music. Uh, it gets my toe tapping, and, and I want it to be my song, my favorite song. Man, I hope they don't sing that same song again. That makes me so mad when they sing that song. How many times do they have to sing that song? And Harrison better be on his game today. You know, he got a B last week, but uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. And uh, i got to be fed. I'm hungry. And I hate to walk away from church hungry. And that's what I came there for. And my kids, they, be they better come out happy. They better be happy when they come out of that children's program or that youth program. I don't want to hear any griping on the way home. Why should I go someplace when they grab on the way home? All right? And, uh, yeah, conceit. Yeah, I'm conceited, all right. Yeah, I'm full of pride. Uh, yeah, I want these people that I hang out with regularly. You know, I call Springbrook my home. And, you know, obviously I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And so sometimes I have to admit that I sin once in a while. But generally I want them to think well of me. I want them to think, hey, you know, there's a person who's, you know, kind of got it going, you know, spiritually, you know, who really is a little more mature than other people and a person that, uh, you know, I, they can look up to. Or maybe, you know, I, you know, I want to I leave, man. I, I want to be recognized in this church as somebody who's a mover and a shaker, as somebody who, you know, has really invested a lot in the ministry and 
I want to gain a reputation in this ministry. Yeah. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Oh, you're asking a lot there, God. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm pretty significant. I'm really significant. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm in the top 20% here of significance. So, I mean, those 20% of the people, I have no problem once in a while considering them more significant than myself. But otherwise, you know, I'm just helping these people out. They need it. Uh, but each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Oh, God. <laughs> you don't know how many interests I have. <laughs> I, mean, I have got a, a long list of interests, and I've only got so much time in life to get it all done. And, uh, you know, I'm taking care of my family. They've got all kinds of interests, and they're... They're always petitioning me to help them with their interests, and now I come to church, and these people want me to help them. You know, they 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 want me to be involved in the ministry. They want me involved in a small group. They they want me to listen to them. They want me to have come over to their house and help them, or to reach out to them when they're in the hospital, stuff like that. I mean, come, I can only do so much, and and I've got all my interests. I just don't know how that's going to work. Uh, maybe some token things I can do to kind of keep up my pride, my, you know, looking good. But <laughs> I don't know if you could relate to that at all. But, uh, you know, that's the worst-case scenario, right? That's our sinful heart when we read this passage. It's like saying, I do not have time to do that. <laughs> that's not the way I'm wired, God. And, uh, you know, as we look at this, it really is impossible to live in this way uh, because it's so unnatural in regards to our sinful orientation. And therefore, uh, we have to live it uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way a person could even start to think this way is if they have been transformed by the power of Christ. If they've you know, received Christ as their Savior, they've been transformed, um, they're hidden with Christ in God, uh, they're a child of God. Uh, they've got the righteousness of Christ. That's the only way you can begin to think about these type of things happening on a consistent basis in your life. And then, of course, through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, making you holy and, and helping you to mature you know, year after year after year and, and having more of this type of attitude and this type of orientation, that's the only way it can happen. Uh, so now with that in mind, Okay, that's that's really what Paul is looking for. This is what the unity of the gospel in life in the life of a church looks like. These type of behaviors, right? Now, obviously, it can only happen through the power uh, of God's Spirit. And uh, but what Paul does leading up to this is he says another uh, way to approach this is that when you realize what God has done for you, when you realize all that he's given you, you should just naturally want to do these things. Uh, so let's go back and look at uh, Philippians uh, 2, verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. So 
It's interesting. So if there is any encouragement, if any comfort from love, if any participation in the Spirit, if any affection and sympathy, if... Now, in the original language, the idea of this word is, well, yeah, because, of course, of course there's encouragement and comfort and love and participation and affection and sympathy. But he states it in such a way, like kind of asking a question but knowing the answer already. Have you been encouraged by Christ? Have you been shown compassion by the Holy Spirit? Well, yes, of course you have. That's how he lines it up here. And he really gives four different motives. Uh, And two motives come from Christ, Christ and his ministry, and two come from the Holy Spirit and his ministry. So let's look at these. So, So if, because... There is any encouragement in Christ? Have you been encouraged by Christ? Okay, and that's a question, right? Have you? Yeah, I think you have, right? Something really exciting in the last two weeks. Yeah, when we think about uh, conversion, I mean that—that's the greatest encouragement, right? When Christ transforms our lives, when we think about that day, I mean, just take a moment to think back. Think back for those of you who've made that decision. When Christ came into your life and transformed you, what a glorious day that was, right? Your life was changed forever. Well, this, this, in the last two weeks, we've had three men make that decision. Three men. Three adult men make that decision. Praise God, huh? Praise God. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Pastor Rich had an opportunity to talk to two guys. One was Patrick West. He was in our first service, and so we were able to celebrate uh, his conversion. And then uh, uh, Jeff, our worship director, had an opportunity to talk to somebody on our uh, team, plays guitar, and has been worshiping, leading worship. And uh, he said that he really couldn't identify a time. He wasn't sure if he had made the decision, so it was kind of a solidified decision. But friends, when you're talking about who is most likely to convert uh, to Christianity? Uh, men are, are the last, right? I mean, you got kids, and, and then you got women, and then you've got men. Men are, are slow to make that decision for a lot of reasons. So what that says is that we are being effective, that we are fulfilling our mission. I mean, we're working from week to week. We're praying. We're trusting. We're giving. We're... Uh, spend a lot of time discipling, and, and so it's always good when good things happen like this. Yeah, a cluster of three guys who come to Christ and say, "Thank you, God. I mean, we're working down here, and we're we're trusting in you, and, and it's so good when those type of things happen because it just kind of certifies that you're 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 being effective through our ministry uh, together. And so we celebrate that, and we celebrate the encouragement that Christ gives us. It goes on here, it says, any comfort from Christ's love. If there is any comfort in Christ's love, be of the same attitude. Be of the same mind. Be united in the gospel. So the question is, is there any comfort in Christ's love? Well, of course there's comfort in Christ's love. Our elders went on retreat this past week, uh, just a day, and uh, had a great time together. And uh, John Pushbar is one of our elders, and he is uh, from India. And so I was talking with him because I had recently talked to somebody who was Hindu, talking about, you know, how their faith works and 
this particular woman was telling me about how she has a shrine uh, room in her house, and twice a day she'll go into the shrine room and pray to her gods. And she has like three main gods or five main gods and some other family idols and things like that. So she was relating this to me. And I was talking to John about this, and I said, John, you know, do Hindus perceive that God loves them? He says, oh, no, no, typically they don't. Uh, what they're doing, he says, is that they're appeasing their gods. Uh, and again, every Hindu is different, but from what John said, uh, he says that their view is that if they continue, and they're very regimented. I mean, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning, they'll go to uh, their shrine room in their home. Uh, over in India, of course, you got temples all over the place and shrine rooms all over the place. So on the way to work, they'll stop and on the way home. From work. So they're very serious about this, much more consistent than many Christ followers uh, in regards to their religious practices. And, and uh, they'll pray to these gods, but the motivation is I've got to, you know, continue to worship and pray to the god in order that the god might not allow bad things to happen to me. Okay, so I'm kind of appeasing the gods, trying to keep them happy so they'll, you know, be okay with me. One of their gods is the protector. So if you continue to pray to that God, hopefully he's going to protect you. Well, that really is a different orientation. I think that so many times we're so saturated, obviously, in our own Christian beliefs, we we don't fully appreciate the fact that, you know, all the other major religions are not about some God that loves you. It's about some God that you don't want to get ticked off. Okay. Well, that's a quite different relationship, isn't it, right? I mean, if you're in a relationship with somebody, and some of you are, uh, and you're just trying to not get them ticked off, you know, the, the idea of love has gone out the window. Just keep them happy, right? What kind of relationship is that, right? But here we have a God who loves us, a God who wants to comfort us. God wants to, through Jesus Christ, give us comfort and encouragement. I mean, that is so cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I mean, we don't we take that for granted. Oh yeah, God loves us. Yeah, John three sixteen. I see it all the time. Well, it's it's unusual to have a God that loves us, a God that wants to sac a God that wants to sacrifice for us. Usually, it's the other way around, right? In other world religions, no, no, this God is coming to us, and that, that's cool, and that, that we should fully appreciate that, and that should motivate us uh, to live uh, for Him. And God cares uh, for us in so many ways. And then it goes on, it talks about the Holy Spirit. And any participation in the Spirit, that, that word participation we saw earlier, uh, fellowship of the gospel, this is for fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This idea of community, the idea of partnership, uh, the idea of, uh, again, working together. And the Holy Spirit is working alongside with us. And then it goes on to say, in any affection and sympathy. In any affection and sympathy. Affection is really a very intimate word. It kind of talks about the attraction between a man and a woman. So it's talking about the Holy Spirit having an affection for you. The Holy Spirit loving you. Now, many times you probably haven't heard from other people, you know what? The Holy Spirit loves you. Holy Spirit loves you. <laughs> When's the last time you heard that, right? God loves you. Jesus loves you. Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit's kind of ethereal. He's kind of up here, right? You know, and sometimes we don't talk about him a lot. And, yeah, but, but the Holy Spirit, he loves you. 
and He has sympathy or compassion for you. The Holy Spirit has compassion for you. In fact, uh, in Romans 8, 26 through 27, it, it gives us a beautiful illustration of how much the Holy Spirit loves you. All right? Let's look at this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. You know the Holy Spirit will become Christ's followers. He comes into us. He seals us. The official seal of God is the Holy Spirit. He's a guarantor of our salvation. As long as we have the Holy Spirit within us, when we get to heaven, <laughs> He's going to identify the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you're one of mine. You're one of my kids. If we have the Holy Spirit within us, the Holy Spirit is the one who inspires. The Holy Spirit uh, is the one who exhorts and encourages and, and carries us along. In fact, the word paraclete, uh, encourager, is the idea of helper. That's really the the main word, that the counselor, the counselor. Uh, he's our counselor. He's our helper. I like helpers. You know, when I, I, I'm doing work around the house, I'm always looking for a helper. As my kids have grown older, they're just busy all the time. And uh, <laughs> can anybody help me here? I mean, we're all looking for helpers, right? right? We're all looking for somebody to help me with this project. Help me with the laundry. Help me with this. Well, friends, you've got you got a helper in the Holy Spirit. He is there all the time for you, and He wants to help you with everything in your life. Now, I might not be able to help you with the laundry, but you can pray maybe He'll send someone to help you with the laundry. But the point is, is that He is there to help you and encourage you. It goes on, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So some of you this past week, uh, you've been uh, overwhelmed by life. There's just too many things coming at you at one time. Your emotional energy is shot. (laughs) You know, you go into the prayer room and say, God, I, I don't even know what to pray for. I, I really don't know what where to start. In fact, I don't even know what's going on with me. I don't know why I'm depressed. I don't know why I'm angry. I don't I don't know why I feel the way I do. How many have gone to multiple doctors trying to figure out what's wrong with you? Raise your hand. Anybody had that experience? You go from doctor to doctor to doctor. Maybe you end up in Mayo and Christy back here, you know. Can anybody tell me what's wrong with me? Because I know there's something wrong with me. You see, here's the beautiful thing about it. The Holy Spirit knows what's wrong with you. He knows you perfectly. So it's not like when you're praying, the Holy Spirit says, give me a couple of days on that one. I'll research it. (laughs) Let me get a second opinion from the Son. No! He knows exactly what's wrong with you. And and I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of comfort. He's my helper. And I might not be able to figure it out for a while what's wrong with me, but he knows. And, and so what he does is it says here, it says uh, he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I mean, there's, there's kind of this mysterious communication in the Trinity. 
that he's talking about me. He's not talking about a group of people. He's talking about Dan. You know, I mean, he goes to God, and so he says, Dan, this is what, or God, this is what Dan really needs. He doesn't know what he really needs, but this is what he really needs. You know, isn't that beautiful? That's a great verse to take in your daily office and just uh, meditate upon, and remember that. You might be clueless about what's wrong with you, but the Holy Spirit knows. And if you continue to trust in Him and pray and depend upon Him, that He'll help you to deal with that pain in your life and uh, bring healing, whatever it might be. Yeah, that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, "Hey, if the if the Holy Spirit's been a helper to you, if you had a participation, a partnership with the Holy Spirit in life." And if there's been affection and sympathy from the Holy Spirit, well, you need to live in live in unison in the gospel mission with love toward other people. Now, he goes on in Philippians 2, 2, and he says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So here's where we see where he's going. In the sense, okay, if you have been encouraged by Christ, if you have been loved by Christ, if you have been in participation with the Holy Spirit, He's been helping you out, if He's been giving you affection and comfort, then then, then Paul throws in something else. He says, hey, listen, if that's not motive enough, you know, do it for me. Complete my joy. This is what I want for you. So I'm pulling for you. There's another motivation to do this. And what's the whole point is by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. So the same mind, really the idea is the same attitude toward what we're doing here as a ministry, how we're loving one another. It says having the same love, having the... The same type of love. And that's not a, an emotional type of love. That's a, a, a love by choice. It's agape love. I'm going to love you. And uh, I don't care if the warm fuzzies come or not. I'm going to love you. I'm going to care for you. Being in full accord, complete uh, agreement, and one mind. One mind. Why is this so important? Because, friends, as I said before, Satan wants to derail Springbrook Community Church and every other Bible-believing church in this area that's preaching the gospel. And he knows the most effective way to do that is to create disunity in our body. It is to create uh, misunderstandings, is to, to create conflict. Like later in the book of Philippians, it talks about two women who were having problems. Well, the Holy Spirit loves to do that. He loves to create problems between people because if that goes on long enough without being checked, without there being forgiveness, without you know the Spirit working through people to mend relationships and to have the conversations that you need to have to, to stay on the same track, it's going to derail. It's going to go off the rail. I was talking with a good friend. And uh, she specializes in church conflict. There's a lot of church conflict out there, okay? Church problems. And, uh, you know, I've known her for many, many, many years. And, uh, you know, 
we've talked back and forth about different church situations, and I, I you know, work with the board of Converge Mid-America, uh, which is our association of churches here uh, in the Midwest, which is a part of Converge Worldwide. Uh, it's also known as the Baptist General Conference. And so I hear a lot about church conflicts. I hear a lot about church problems. And again, you know, we're not perfect. We've had problems in the past. And, and that's why we need to we need to always be on guard because Satan knows his one number one way to uh, keep us, you know, from proclaiming the gospel and building disciples is to create disunity. And I, I was talking with my friend again, and she was down at her college alma mater, and she was at this meal, and the president came by, it was a Christian university, and she mentioned to the president, I'm in, in uh, I'm, I specialize in church conflict, and she said to him, it's a wonder that any church stays together. <laughs> We're just a bunch of sinners, right? <laughs> And we're just, again, trying to mature in Christ and uh, you know, seeking to understand uh, our role and, and how God wants to work through us and all that kind of stuff. And we make a lot of mistakes. We're still sinning, and there's a lot of forgiveness and patience and bearing with one another that's needed. So, and, this, and so she said this. She's wondering if any church holds together. And the president said, Maryland, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that keeps churches together, right? Because whenever you get a bunch of people together, you're going to have challenges and issues, schools or sports teams or whatever the club might be. You're just going to have problems because people are involved with it. But, but there's something unique that we have here in our ministry that's different from everything else, and that is that we have the Holy Spirit that draws us together. I came across an illustration this past week about metal shavings. And now, how do you keep metal shavings together? They're just like all over the place. Well, I, I guess you could put them in a plastic bag, right? Metal shavings in a plastic bag, contain them in a Ziploc bag. But the bag could rip or something of that nature. It's not the best way. But, but here's really the best way to keep metal shavings together we see in this picture. It's a magnet. And when you put a magnet, the metal shavings come together. You see, the magnet is the Holy Spirit in any ministry. That's what keeps us together. That's what keeps the unity of the Spirit. That's what keeps the unity of the mind, the same mind, the same attitude, uh, the same uh, goal. It is the Holy Spirit is working within us. And when there is disunity or any type of uh, problems that come up, if we're remaining sensitive to the Holy Spirit and we're listening to Him, we can respond in the proper way through the Spirit of God. His power, we can do that. And, and that's what Paul is saying here. I want you to remain unified so you can carry the gospel message forward. Now, let's go back to Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Now we've seen the motives uh, for remaining unified in the gospel and loving one another and having the same mind, the same love, and full accord in one mind. So... Here's how it, it's fleshed out in everyday life. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, that word humility there, that word, uh, I mean, that word was created by uh, the writers of the New Testament. 
humility back in that day was an adjective, and it described uh, the nature of a slave. Uh, it described things that were you know, things you didn't want to be associated with. Uh, it described work that you didn't want to do. It described bad things. It, it, it wasn't a good word at all. But what God did was take that word and he transformed it into something beautiful in the sense that we as Christ followers need to be humble. We need to be slaves. We need uh, to be servants. Now, again, in that day, it kind of was equivalent with, like, ugly. <laughs> ugly. Who wants to be ugly? Anybody want to be ugly? Right? Well, that, so, so when the average reader who wasn't a Christ follower read this, I want to be ugly. <laughs> I don't want to be humble. I don't want to be on the bottom rack. I don't want to be serving other people. But you see, that's what, what, what God wants us to do. And that really, again, is at the heart of remaining unified. And so the Holy Spirit empowers us to be humble. He empowers us to submit to one another, to listen to one another, to understand one another. So don't be full of selfish ambition. Certainly that was what they taught in their culture that day, and certainly that's our culture, right? But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That's the only way you can do it, is to say, hey, listen, I'm a servant to others, so people are more, you know, their needs are important. I need to consider their needs. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So again, it's okay to look to your own interests. It's okay to find pleasure in life. But again, don't become so self-absorbed and selfish that you're not caring for people in the family of God. Right? Now, to conclude here, I want to look at Colossians 3, 12 through 14. I just want you to... This, this is really where the rubber meets the road here. Okay, guys? We've been talking about this whole idea of being unified as a body and, and, and praying that we would not be disunified, praying that because of all the wonderful things God has done for us, it would be, we would just naturally be motivated... Uh, to depend upon God, to, to work at, at being unified and, again, fending off whatever the, Satan sends our way. Now, I'm going to read this. And I just want you to quietly reflect with me here, okay? And, uh, you know, I want you to think about your relationships here at Springbrook, okay? So just take a moment. And some of you uh, have been here a long time. That's beautiful. So you have a lot of relationships that are just out there, okay, in a sense that, I mean, you're not part of a small group, but you've just known this person for years. So they're part of your relational network here at Springbrook. Uh, some of you have been here a shorter period of time. So, uh, you know, you're part of a small group, and those are your primary relationships. Or maybe you're part of a ministry. Those are your primary relationships. So as I read through this passage, I want you to think about those people, okay, that you know here in our ministry. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to either encourage you or to convict you of your relationship with these people and how you're living out uh, your faith. So in Colossians 3, 12 through 14, we see it says, put on then as God's chosen ones. Okay? Put on is the idea of putting on clothing. It's, it's a decision we need to make every day to submit to, to God and to, to let him work through us as God's chosen ones. Okay, We're royal. We're uh, righteous. Uh, we're, we're part of God's family. Right? Now, what holy and beloved, right? We're, we're, we're positionally uh, pure, and practically we're being sanctified, and, and we're just loved. <laughs> Let's do that again, okay? 
Uh, now, what were we supposed to put on? Compassionate hearts. Okay, so just think to yourself for a moment about the people that you know here in this ministry that God's given you a responsibility to, to be in relationship with and to love and encourage. You know, have you been compassionate? And it, it, just let the Holy Spirit bring something to mind. And if you have, say, thank you, Lord. Thanks for showing your compassion for me. Maybe the Holy Spirit will bring something to mind and say, oh, I wasn't as compassionate as I should be. Or kindness. You know, talking about putting the interests of others first. How, how kind have you been? It goes on, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. Maybe there's somebody that uh, you've been walking with through a difficulty in their life, you know, their marriage, their kids, their job, whatever. You know, and for whatever reason, you're getting tired of bearing that burden with them. Okay, and uh, maybe you haven't properly bared that burden. I don't know. That's the Holy Spirit needs to speak to you about that, and you need to say, "Boy, Lord, that's, that's something I need to work on." Because of all these wonderful things you've done to me, I pray that you'd refuel me up to be able to, to care for this person and have patience with this person. Because maybe you've come to a point in your life where you've lost patience with this person. And it goes on, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must you must forgive. It's not an option. It's not like, well, you know, we'll think about that next year. See if I'm, see if I'm in the right attitude to forgive. You know, no, 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 no. Uh, if we're going to create unity within our body, if you're holding a grudge against someone, you've got to go to that person and you've got to ask forgiveness. If you have an issue with somebody, you've got to go to them and work it out to whatever degree you can. That's your responsibility. That's our responsibility to each other in this body. And and there are, there are some people who just won't forgive and they just live with it. And there are some people that say, I'm checking out of this small group. I'm checking out of this ministry so I don't have to be around this person. Or I'm checking out of this church. That is not God's desire. Satan wins when that happens. When you just let a relationship go and I'm not going to deal with it. Is that where you're at today? Spirit speak to you. And above all else, put on love. It binds everything together in perfect harmony. Well, friends, again, that's a lot. So I, what I would encourage you to do is, is go home today and meditate on Colossians 3, 12 to 14. And it takes some time. And, and think about people in your small group. People, think about people in your ministry. Think about other people. I mean, what Paul's saying is that we have a responsibility to one another. In our society, there's there's such a consumerism that people jump from church to church, or if they are part of a church, they're just not engaged. Because, and one of the reasons people don't get engaged is because they don't want to deal with other people's stuff. <laughs> well, friends, we have a responsibility to deal with each other's stuff. So if you're here today and say, well, none of this applies to me because I don't know anybody here, but this is my church, well then, I think the Spirit probably saying, do you get engaged so you know somebody? Because the flip side is just as great in terms of the love and the 
just the community that you have with one another. We need each other so much to grow. And, and we isolate ourselves because of our sinfulness and because it's uncomfortable, but we've got to keep moving toward people instead of moving away from them. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for the time you've given us, and I pray that you would uh, take this word and drive it deeper.